This is an AMI podcast. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Welcome back to Now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. I'm Alex Smythe in for Dave. Clothing is designed to suit fashion, style, and comfort. Your wardrobe can fit you well, whether it's tailored or off the rack. But when you have different clothing needs, where do you get apparel that suits you? To give more, uh, uh, give you more about the adaptive clothing industry is accessibility consultant Marco Pasqua. He has more details. He really wants to get into this topic. I do too. Hello, Marco. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Alex. Nice to hear from you. Yeah, it's great to be able to chat with you as well. So why did you want to talk about this topic uh, today, Marco? Well, quite simply, I mean, I don't know if you can tell with on the show, but I, I've always considered myself a very fashionable guy. Uh, and I feel like anybody with a disability, any person in general, should really feel like they can be comfortable and be their authentic self. And what better way than to show uh, your style through the clothing that you wear? Um, but oftentimes, the adaptive clothing market has been seen as sort of a really niche market. And it's also been seen as somewhat clunky over the years because adaptability generally means people think it means uh you know additional zippers or buttons or different configurations but just because you're wearing adaptive clothing doesn't mean you can't be fashionable and so i wanted to talk a little bit about that especially with the winter season uh coming upon us and you know we have to put on more layers that doesn't necessarily mean that those layers can have to feel uncomfortable <laughs> Absolutely. So what considerations are there for folks with disabilities when they need to purchase clothes that are going to fit them and their needs? Yeah, so I think it really depends on your disability, right? Um, if you're a wheelchair user like myself, you want to make sure that uh, clothing is not super bulky uh, around your chair, that it's easy to uh, pull up or or pull down uh, if you have to use the, the washroom, that kind of thing. Um, and then, of course, your dexterity needs. Um, so is it difficult to take on and off the buttons, undo uh, and zip up zippers, um, that kind of thing. The last thing that I want is I'm out at a party and and then the next thing you know, you know, I, I need to, you know, go to the bathroom or something. And then I'm having difficult like this. I mean, that's that could be a nightmare. So really, you have to know for yourself uh, the type of adaptions that you need and then really consider those things when you're going out there looking at that fashion. Well, and you mentioned already that the, the industry is kind of shifting, it's evolving, it's changing, that it, it's not necessarily just this niche uh, uh, kind of um, sector within the clothing department where it's very um, kind of tailored for a very specific clientele that it is growing. How affordable is adaptive clothing getting? Because in the past, it was quite mm. expensive because it was so tailored and so specific. Has that changed? Yeah, I mean, it's starting to change. I would say that it is still quite niche in the pr perspective of the, you know, financial aspect of things. So it is kind of costly, but I think that as the market starts to grow, um, that's going to change because then it's not going to be as niche and then those price points are going to go down. I will say this though, although it is somewhat currently of a premium price point, you are getting high quality fabrics and it's, uh, this is definitely not something I would consider fabrics 
fast fashion. So it's not going to disintegrate off of your body the second that you put it on. Um, and some of the things that I see with fast fashion is, you know, you're you're really trying to put a shirt over top of your, your body and maybe because of your disability, you stretch or you pull in ways that your average person wouldn't. And then that clothing is going to tear easily. This is not something that I've found with the adaptive clothing that I've been looking into. And also, not only is it fashionable, but it's super convenient when you can easily just undo snaps as opposed to your traditional buttons. Um, and so I do think that that price point is going to drop down, um, especially, uh, I think, uh, during this holiday season, but also after this holiday season, because we do have some numbers on the stats of this market, and you're going to be surprised by them. Let's dive into that. Share more. You got some numbers? Share them with us. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, adaptive fashion is actually exploding and the international market is predicted to grow by 15.24% annually and reach $5.67 billion US by 2028. 2028, that's only four years away. And that's according to a 2022 Stratview research report. So uh, like this is coming in. I really think that more and more people, even those without disabilities, may choose to do adaptive fashion. Um, so because of the ease of use and i think that as we get more people on board and maybe even some influencers out there who are utilizing it i've seen adaptive fashion showcased on shows like um, dragon's den and shark tank so this is now hitting the mainstream and that's the exciting part and so where can people go to find adaptive clothing well, yeah, aside from your typical Google search, uh, there is some great Canadian providers out there like Is Adaptive, uh, AL Designs, uh, which uh, I believe has been uh, featured on AMI before, uh, June Adaptive, and in the States, uh, I'm told Buck and Buck, 7-7 Adaptive, Tommy Hilfiger has an adaptive line, and also Zappos has an adaptive line now. So um, yeah, it really is starting to hit some of the clothing lines that we've heard of before. Yeah, and I find it always very fascinating too that now it's like, you know, there was always a need for adaptive clothing. We've always, you know, there's been wheelchair users for a long time, and there's been those niche market and, and designers who had been really working on a case by case basis. But now, as you mentioned, Tommy Hilfiger ha having a line like it just kind of makes sense for for a clothing brand, especially a big uh, multinational one. This is a another subsect uh, and another um, kind of market share that you can access that other uh, companies, other brands just haven't taken advantage of. And it's like, you're, you're, you're gonna be getting a captive audience if you're, you're putting your <laughs> quality of clothing into a way that's accessible for their needs. Well, I mean, why wouldn't you want to expand uh, your market cap by simply addressing the needs of more people? I mean, that's the beauty of universal design. Uh, you're mm -hmm. designing not just for one person, but for all people. And why can't be that be the case for clothing as well? Um, I think that you would be silly to not say, hey, there's a, a captive market of individuals with disabilities who are hungry for adaptive fashion. They're hungry um, to to look fashionable. And I, I, I hate the stigma around persons with disabilities disabilities just because of the fact that we may have certain adaptive needs that must mean that we don't necessarily care about looking great or that we always want to wear sweatpants because it's easier. I mean, you can wear stylish sweatpants that are easy to use, but you can also dress up to the nines and go to a party and still look and feel your best. And that comes down to those designers really making that effort and understanding that this is doesn't have to be niche and that you can actually be making more to your bottom line by tailoring to more people. And uh, I, I already 
get the sense that uh, I know your answer to this, but how would you describe like in terms of the attitude of the industry and in terms of catering and, and tailoring clothing that is adaptive and uh, fits the needs of uh, folks from the disability community? I think that over the years, the fashion injury industry has developed this sort of um, the stigma for themselves of being sort of overly posh and and really um, sort of highbrow and all these types of things, you know, sticking their nose up to this. And you may still have some designers that feel that way, but I do think that the industry is changing and that they are starting to realize, um, actually, th there's a lot of innovation that can come from creating clothing for persons with disabilities. And that innovation can translate to other markets as well. So, you know, with some of the bold styles that you're seeing out there, um, just for people in general, um, and actually, I'm seeing a resurgence of the baggy clothing uh, back in the mm -hmm. from back in the 90s, like when I was a little bit younger. And uh, so some of the good some of the good things of fashion are coming back. Some of the not so great things of fashion are coming back. <laughs> but maybe I'm, I'm just getting I'm showing my age here a little bit. But I am excited uh, to see um, that there are various different styles and those styles can all be adaptive. And I think that it should be uniquely to the individual who's wearing that. So I'm excited of what the future has in store in terms of this market and the attitude I think is changing. Yeah, and uh, I, I echo the sentiment, Marco. I don't think I can do the super baggy jeans and the super baggy shirts anymore. <laughs> I think that's something that's better left in the past. But thank you so much for bringing this uh, topic forward. Have yourself a wonderful day. Yeah, thanks so much. And if I don't talk to you before, uh, happy holidays. You know, I think this is one of my last shows before I'm off for the holidays. So thanks so much, Alex, to you and the team at AMI. It's always a pleasure. Absolutely. That was Marco Pasqua. Marco is the co-founder of Meaningful Access Consulting. In 60, minute, uh, 60 seconds, I should say, Elizabeth Moeller shares the weather story of the day. But first, here's Canadian press reporter Rob Westgate with your Morning Business Minute. Bay Street closed up Friday, lifted by a strong performance from the energy sector. Toronto's S&P TSX gaining 123 points to settle at 20,176. In New York, the Dow Jones Industrial Average was relatively flat, adding just under two points at 34,947. As for the Nasdaq, it was up slightly, just shy of 12 points at 14,125. Asian markets seeing some mixed action this morning with Japan. Japan's Nikkei down 197 points at 33,388. The Hang Seng in Hong Kong, meantime, up 324 points at 17,778. Looking ahead this week, Finance Minister Christian Freeland is set to table the fall economic statement on Tuesday, the same day that Statistics Canada is set to release its Consumer Price Index report. And finally, the loonie is trading overseas this morning at 72.96 cents US. From the Canadian Press Business Desk, I'm Rob Westgate. And now it's time for the weather story of the day with Elizabeth Moeller. Elizabeth, things are getting a bit bitter out in the prairies, and it's not just because the Winnipeg Blue Bombers lost in a Grey Cup last night. It's not just because the Winnipeg Blue Bombers last, lost last night to the 10 times fast 
but you, you know, enjoy that warmer weather that you felt this weekend on the prairies because it's not going to last. Get ready for a big change this week. We are going to see a cold front that's going to be coming and temperatures are going to drop and plummet quickly. It's going from mild double digits to below freezing after this front passes. Many places are going to stay below zero for about a week. Wind chill values will make it feel even chillier. By tonight, all major cities will likely be below freezing temperatures and this chilly weather is going to stick around for at least until the beginning of December. So we see Regina, Saskatoon and Winnipeg, they're all going to experience that solid freeze. Well, Calgary and Edmonton, you're going to get closer to freezing later in the week this week. So prepare for the return of wind chills in the minus teens burr for many places. But some good news is that there are no big storms that are predicted until the end of next week. There might be lake effect snow squalls south of the Manitoba lakes through midweek. Unfortunately, the snow drought does continue for parts of the prairies, especially for the Edmonton area where significant snow is not yet expected. So wear extra layers and dress with everything you're going to need for snow and wind and everything in between. And I'm sorry, Winnipeg, once more. <laughs> Sounds good. Thank you very much, Elizabeth. Don't go anywhere. We'll be checking in with you in the next segment for the entertainment report. But coming up after the break, David Fincher's new film, The Killer, is trending on Netflix. Amy Amanti gives her review on this action-packed film. You're watching now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv and on audio on AMIplus.ca. Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. The Walrus is Canada's conversation, and you're invited to take part. Download AMI's Voices of the Walrus, where professional narrators read selected articles from the magazine. Available wherever you download your AMI podcasts.